You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Angela Beller, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Really looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, me too. Thank you for having me. I want to read something that you shared with me, and that is this. Overcoming abuse and chronic illness has given me the firm belief and knowing that God rescues, redeems, and restores everything. It's given me the ability to give God my yes when he calls me and to go from a woman riddled with fear to one that chases fear. Angela, let's go. (laughs) Good stuff, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. So please share your story and let's get into what you've experienced in life and how God has allowed you to get into this place of actually chasing fear. Yes, thank you. I'm so thrilled to have the opportunity to share this story because I believe that there's a purpose in all of us and there's that spark that's there, that maybe that ember that's there. And if we can just light that fire and that's what I'm about. I want to light fire in the hearts of believers and people that are struggling, that it doesn't have to stay that way. So I grew up in Mobile, Alabama in the deep South, actually in the bayou. My dad was a shrimper. So he's a commercial fisherman and made for a very unique upbringing. I was on in the middle of the ocean more than I was on land, but I grew up in abuse and I'm not sure back then I had never even heard of the word domestic violence until I was in my 20s, but it was all around me. And so I just thought all men were angry and it was my job to keep them from being angry with me. So I ended up getting married at 20. I was really just seeking to be loved. I always say I was very young when I asked the Lord into my heart and I never felt like he wasn't with me. And maybe it's because of some of the trauma and things that I went through, but I never felt alone from him, alone from people, yes, but never from the presence of God. So I was so grateful for that. So I grow up like this. I marry someone that, you know, and a lot of times I'll say, I thought I knew what abuse was until I married my first husband. Wow. And um, very abusive, very textbook. But I, again, wasn't aware that it was abuse. I just thought I needed to be a better wife. I needed to learn to cook better. I needed these kind of things. A job change moved us to California, where my grandmother and my aunt are, who were always spiritual mentors in my life, especially my grandmother. We call her Granny. And she was super instrumental in my life. And so here God takes us from Alabama, plants us in California. I hear about domestic violence. I begin to be educated that this is not okay. And I was desperate. Brian, because there were people on one side saying God hates divorce. And there were people on the other side saying you shouldn't be treated that way. And so I remembered what my granny told me that there's no question that you will have in life that you can't find the answer in God's word. So here I am, I'm probably 23 years old at this point, And I wake up at four o'clock in the morning, every morning, And I decide because of the way that I learn, I have dyslexia and some other things. And if I write things, I remember it. So I thought, okay, we're going to find this answer. And so I sit down with my Bible and I wrote a chapter of the Bible every day. So in a year and a half, I wrote the entire New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, and a few other chapters in the Old Testament. 
Wow. And I found the answer. I mean, that God's word was what was the action that I took. And it had to be him. Nobody could tell me leave and nobody could tell me say. I needed to know from my father what the answer was. And so he led me to that through his word. And my daughter, I'll tell you this part. My daughter came into the kitchen one morning and she was about four years old and she has big, beautiful blue eyes. And she looks up at me and she asked me for something. And in that moment, I mean, my heart was like, yes, I'll get you cereal or whatever it was she was asking me for. And the Holy Spirit said, you're my daughter. You're asking me for something and I'm giving you the answer. So very quickly after that, I was the type, I felt like I had to really say like, this is what's at risk for you (laughs) to this person that I had tried everything I could to save my marriage. I needed that within myself. And so I had a conversation with him eye to eye. And I said, if you yell, holler, scream, or anything like that, I'm going to take the kids to the park. I said, I'll come back, but our kids aren't going to live in fear and we're not going to live like that anymore. They're not going to be subject to this. And then I said, if you ever put your hands on me again, I will leave and I'm never coming back. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he said, yes. A couple of weeks later, there was a major abuse issue situation. And I won't go into details with that, but I literally had my pajamas on. I went to my daughter's room and I got her. I went to my son's room. I got him. I got my wallet and I got in my car and I never went back. And so I know that I know that the Holy Spirit for that over that year and a half was strengthening me and building me. And I almost felt like when I really decided that I was done, that I was like in this bubble and I could hear him yelling, but it was muffled. And I was just completely set free. Ended up living with my grandmother for three years, which was an incredible change of events. She needed help. She had fallen and broken her hip. And so she calls me and says, if you help me through this, I'll get you through nursing school. Mm. She knew that I wanted to be a nurse. And so I moved out to the desert with her and I went to nursing school. And I felt like it was such a rescue for a single parent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If anybody's listening and they're a single parent, that is some hard stuff. And so having her to help and guide me and actually really teach me about mothering and mothering well. So anyway, that's where I met my current husband. We'll celebrate 21 years in March. So just thrilled about what God's done there. And we met at a church that I was going to there. We're a military family. He's in the military. Also a blended family. I had the two children and then we have two together. And so that's kind of how my life and this whole journey started. After you left, did your ex-husband try to reconnect with you in in any way? Oh my goodness. Yes. Again, I mean, it was kind of like a, if you give a mouse a cookie, I had to balance, like I'm away from him, but I still wasn't free because we have these children together and that has to be navigated. And of course I was on welfare. I was working my way through nursing school and he had a lot of money. So he was taking me to court and trying to get custody of the kids. And I mean, it was a real battle. Wasn't It wasn't like, oh, I left and I never went back and everybody lived happily ever after. The abuse continued. He just didn't have the amount of control that he had before. And I really believe that part of my husband coming into my life was the redeeming and the restoring part. Because 
I didn't understand boundaries. I didn't know how to prevent this abuse from continuing. And I did feel like I still lived in it in a lot of ways. And Brian, I tell people the hardest part was my children because I felt like I got out of a burning building and I had to leave my children in there because they're still having supervised visitation for four years, but we're dealing with somebody that doesn't respect the law, doesn't respect the protection orders that were in place, would run over any boundary that that you put. So it was definitely a battle. And that all ended when? Wasn't like a beginning and an end. There was a progression. And I believe that God takes us step by step, glory to glory. And I learned as I went. I was just a student of what was happening to me. Really, there was a time where he was communicating with me via text message and stuff like that. And of course, that would get off. And my husband said to me, babe, you don't have to respond to that. And I was like, well, yes, I do. Like the kids, all these things. And really, he's the one that helped me with the boundary that helped the most that I just literally stopped communicating anything that wasn't directly associated with the kids. The whole idea of boundaries is something that you probably coach many women in, isn't it? Yes. Yes, definitely. What have you found to be the best advice with respect to boundaries that you tend to give people most consistently? Particularly women, we lose ourselves. We lose ourselves to being a mom, to being a wife, to our job, and we disconnect with who we are. And our needs are important. Things that make us uncomfortable are there for a reason. Those things inside of us that God has given our neurological system to alert us, to to lead us. And I believe that when we are disconnected from ourselves, we don't get those signals. And so we don't have the opportunity and the ability to see it clearly and create those boundaries. How do you counsel someone to move from not seeing it to being able to see it? What does it take? What's that shift? Awareness is always key initially. And I believe that it's it is within us. It is a God-given thing. And my thing with women is I have a very strict <laughs> morning regimen, okay? And it's the prescription for my soul. And really being able to get in the word and hear from God and connect with yourself and your heart before you're then in the world with your children, with your husband, with your job, that you have this clarity with the Lord first. Mm. So that sounds like first things first is seeking God first every morning. Amen. Without fail. I mean, Sundays too. <laughs> you know, I just don't take days off from that. And it's truly changed my life. And I, you know, it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. Some people connect with God at night and different people have different schedules. But for me, waking up at 4 a.m. and having an hour and a half, that is, I'm thinking my thought, right? And I'm in the presence of God and I'm having conversation with Him and so many things are spoken and worked out in those moments. It's powerful. Yeah. The therapeutic means of writing like you did. I mean, writing the whole New Testament, obviously God was able to literally imprint that in your mind because you took the time to do it. And it's no different in spending time every day with him, is it? Yes. I tell people, I'm like, listen, I'm not telling you this story because I think you need to write the Bible. Right. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> no. And we've had some really interesting family conversations around the dinner table. My youngest didn't know that I had done that until a couple of years ago. 
And then my daughter went to school and was like, my mom wrote the Bible. And I'm like, no, we need to say it a different <laughs> way, baby, mom. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah. And God knows our hearts, but the world isn't getting less busy. And I know that I know because of the hundreds of women that I'm connected with that once the day gets started and we get busy, the wheels can come off and we just don't have the opportunity. And I think worship is great and prayer in your mind. And I walk with the Lord throughout the day as well, but there's a difference in the secret place space for his presence. Just like we do, you know, what I go through a day without speaking to my children, what I go through a day without speaking to my husband, absolutely not. But yet this is the most important relationship of our lives. So good. Yeah. And I wanted to add, I left off kind of a vital part here is that after I was free of abuse and was getting my life back and learning how to overcome abuse and all of the things. And that's a journey in itself. That's a whole nother podcast probably, but I was struck with lupus. Wow. Um, I suffered chronic illness for over 15 years. So let me pause and get clarity on this, Angela. So you've gone through this abusive relationship. You remarried. Did the lupus start after or before you got remarried? It started after And that was what was so heartbreaking. It was about three months after my third baby, our first baby together, Mm -hmm. that I started having symptoms. And over the next seven or eight years, my health continued to decline. I remember crying to my husband and saying, you've waited, you waited 31 years, you know, for your wife. And now you just have a broken one. I just, I felt broken. And there have been times, and maybe this would speak to somebody, but there was something within that felt like I was on the planet to suffer, to be abused. Like, okay, if I, I get free of one thing and now I have another, and I know so many people feel that way. So, What a lie. Oh my goodness. The lies that I've had to tear down and the strongholds in my mind. And I want to talk about that because these last five years, what God has done and the way that he's led me through that has been so powerful. Yeah. Let's pivot to that. How did you start that five-year process? So as I said, I was suffering with this chronic illness and I I had been home for, and I'm just such a firm believer in these divine appointments that God sets us up for. And I didn't know he had a divine appointment for me, but I was begging him for my health back. Mm-hmm. I was literally on my face before the Lord every day. Please, God, give me my life back because I was watching my family live life from a couch, a bed, a chair, and I even had a wheelchair in my car. There were times that my children pushed me around to get school clothes. Unreal. And I had so much passion inside of me and love of life. People that know me know I'm an extra extrovert. Like if I don't get to talk to somebody, I will go to the gas station to have a conversation because I just love people and conversation. And so I was at this really dark place and I had been home for about two weeks and wasn't able to get out of the house much. I was feeling really depressed. And I thought, okay, there's it's Wednesday night. There's going to be a women's group at church. I'm going to go there. And I'll be able to at least have some emotional connection and that'll help me feel better. So I go, I sit by a woman who ended up telling me about a product that changed my life, literally. And I, and it's funny, Brian, because I know there's so many stories about things like that. And I really was like, okay, God, why, why was this the avenue <laughs> that mm-hmm. you chose? Like it could, you could just touch me and I would be healed, but you, there must be something with this. Because the changes in my health were so dramatic and I had people in my life and people that I loved and loved me and that were watching me. And 
So I accidentally started a business with that. So here I am. I'm just telling people about health and being a nurse. It was right up my alley. I loved oh, yeah. being able to walk people through health journeys and really see people have success. That was just, I fell in love with what I got to do every day. Well, let me ask Angela, obviously we don't want to make an advertisement, but I'll put that information in the show notes for anybody that's interested. Okay. What I'm curious about is the essence of what you were taking what was it that allowed your body to do? Was it amino acid-based type of thing or what was it? It's actually a product that addresses gut health. So I had been researching how to get better on my own. And I was mixing this supplement, that supplement. I was even <laughs> drinking diatomaceous earth. I mean, you name it. I just was, <laughs> I would try anything to get better and just wasn't making any changes. So I was actually very skeptical and didn't want to even try the product because I didn't want to get my hopes up. And if anybody's listening that has chronic illness, if you hear somebody speak about it that has been through it, then you know that they understand what you've gone through. Everything kept bringing me back to gut health. Mm -hmm. And I would even argue with the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, I'm riding around in the wheelchair cart at the grocery store. How am I possibly going to eat whole fresh, never have processed sugar? That's just seems like something insurmountable to me. So with the product, it balances gut health and does all those things. And it just simplified the whole process of what I needed to do. Wonderful. The root of it for me, I think I had leaky gut, mm -hmm. which does lead to a lot of autoimmune conditions, migraines, hormone problems, you name it. And so many people are walking around with it and don't realize it. So this started you on a trajectory of healing. And then you started to get your health back. And then it sounds like you had this move into this space of overcoming fear. This is the fun part. Yeah, let's talk about that. So it took me nine months. I was on 14 different medications, Brian. I was on chemotherapy, steroids, pain medication, medication to offset the side effects of the other medication. It was awful. So it took me nine months. When I tell my story, I'll say in nine months, I was off all of my medication. And one day the Holy Spirit stopped me. I was like, no, it took nine months. Like we want this quick healing. We want this quick, but sometimes it's in layers like that. And that's how this healing was for me. So here I am, I have this accidental business and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I had never done anything in network marketing before I bought all the products from my friends, but I just thought that it was slimy, salesy and something that people that couldn't get a real job did. And that's really <laughs> what I thought about network marketing. All right. And if my friend would have told me that's what I was doing, I would have said, no, ma'am. <laughs> but here I am, I am loving what I'm doing. And my husband sits me down. We were talking. I had an opportunity to speak to about 500 people and share my testimony. And when I came home from that event, my husband said, is this really what you want to do? And I said, yeah, I think it is. And he said, well, I want you to decide because if you do this, you're going, you're going to be a diamond, which is the top of our company. So I started looking at myself and I'm thinking... I had never experienced the personal growth world. I think I always loved that. Like if I read, I always have wanted to grow as a person. I think that's just something that's always been with me. But I got into the, some of this personal growth and listened to Les Brown for the first time in my life mm -hmm. and motivational speakers and things like that. So I realized that I needed to work on me, that I had victim mentality still in a lot of ways. 
I just had never worked on my mindset. I thought the thoughts that I thought were just everybody's thoughts. I didn't realize that I could work on that, that I could improve that. And so getting into personal growth was really the first step. And I kind of break this down in a five-year period. And so the first year was all about personal growth. It was just reading the books, listening to the speakers, uh, watching people that were doing what I wanted to do. And so it started there. And then the next year, I remembered my purpose. This was just a blow away moment for me. I had gone to an event and at the event, and if you're in the personal growth and development world, there is a lot that is not for believers in that space. Okay. Just a lot of new age things, a lot of things that my spirit was triggered on. And I'm sitting in this event and I was with three other women that are spirit-filled believers. And there was such massive deception. And I saw like this cloud swirling over the room. And I looked around and I remember looking at my friends and thinking, they're not seeing this. Like this is happening here. So I went home and I was really grieved in my spirit because I thought people are being led away. And I certainly am not going to be one to bring people in a space where they're led away from what is truth. And I was even having a hard time deciphering it myself. I came home and prayed for about three days and God gave me a vision. And he reminded me when I was just a little girl, I saw myself speaking and speaking for him. And so I was reminded of that purpose and immediately it terrified me, right? I was like, okay, yeah, no, Lord, like we're not that, you didn't mean that. And I like to say at this point, I believe that women and men, we have this purpose from God. And I believe that we know it when we're young, but the world tips away at that belief. And somewhere along the way, I believe that was just the dreams of a little girl. That was never going to happen. And God reminded me and woke me back up to that purpose and was like, no, really, this is what I have for you. So I just kept doing the work. And my word that year was brave. And I'll never forget, I thought I was being brave. I looked back and I was like, oh, that's so cute. (laughs) So cute. So you just tell everybody that's your word, right? Not realizing you're going to have to actually implement that. (laughs) Yes. And isn't that funny about our word for the year? I I was joking with my daughter about this, that my word this year is passion. And I said, you know, it's always amazing to get that word and be like, oh yeah, that's a good word. And then you get like three or four months in the year and you're like, oh, he's got the other side of this coin that he wants me to work on. And so I did start recognizing the massive fear in my life and the things that were holding me back. I was in this place in that year where God was really working with me on authenticity and vulnerability. And we throw that word around authenticity, authenticity, but it's like, no, it's deeper. I was sitting with the Lord and saying, I don't know who I am because I have chameleoned myself. When you're abused, you can become very codependent. Very, I was very much a people pleaser. So I wasn't speaking the truth that God gave me to speak. I was fitting in wherever I went. And so the Lord just began to show that to me. And then the next year, my word was shine. That was the year that God just started stripping away. All of those things that he had revealed in the year before, just stripping away rejection. I carried rejection in every room I went into. Brian, if you asked me to be on the podcast, I would have rejected myself. I would have told stories about how I would fail. Just all of these negative thought patterns and ways that I, you know, shame 
Shame was a huge thing that stood in the way of me and my authentic story. What did God use, Angela, to strip that shame off? It was different situations. With the shame in particular, I had spoke at a mastermind. It was the first time that I'd ever spoke on domestic violence. Of course, there was a lot of emotion in me and a lot of resistance and just a lot of fear. And I was in a room with 12 other speakers that were very seasoned. (laughs) And this was my first time speaking about a subject that was really intense for me. And I got through it, right? Like, that's all I can say about my, about this first experience (laughs) was that it was not great, (laughs) but I got through it. I didn't give up and walk off like I wanted to on the inside. Yeah. I just kept pressing through, but I, my body was shaking. And I had a dear friend there that was also a mentor. And I asked her afterwards, I said, I don't know what this is. Like, I want to share my story. I want God to use me, but I have like this physical reaction. I get so nervous. And she looked at me and she just said, do you think it could be shame? And in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit highlighted it. Wow. And that gave me the opportunity to take it to the Lord and say, how do I give this back to you? How do I forgive myself? How do I turn this story that looks so ugly into something that can help other people? I want to pause on that for a second, Angela. Just that confession. It seems so many people, including myself, sometimes feel like we can't confess certain things to the Lord, even though he knows everything. So it's like, well, let's get real. And the more you confess, the more you get down into the layers, the faster you can experience the truth and his healing, right? Yes, that surgical procedure, right? That just getting in. And I very much gave God all the good. I wanted to be good for God. I wanted to do good for God. But I would hide the dark parts of me, the sinful parts of me, the things that I thought weren't approved. And you just can't do that, right? That's living in congruent and he wants it all. And so that was very real for me through that walk that I went through. And and it's still in process. I'll be honest with you. It's still in process. But rejection was stripped off of me. Mm. I was I was actually asked to speak at a women's event in Orange County and I was sharing my spiritual ses- testimony And that was the first time of that particular testimony. And I was standing in my office and I was preparing and I had just gotten off of a phone call and I didn't speak my truth. I did that people pleasing thing where they were saying something that I didn't really wholly agree with, but it wasn't completely out of line. So I just kind of agreed with them. And I got off the call and I immediately was like, I just abandoned myself to that conversation. I was like, God, what am I afraid of? And he said, it's rejection. And I just surrendered it in that moment. And he delivered me right there. And Mm. I have not experienced that feeling again. And I tell women all the time, I carried rejection like a purse, like a big old bag full. (laughs) And I just, I really did struggle with that. And then also the need for approval. Oh my goodness. And validation. There's a story that we laugh about in my family when I was growing up. When I would get ready for school every morning, I would come out and ask my mom and my brothers, does this look okay? One day my brother goes, I walked in the room and before I had a chance to say, does this look okay? My brother looked at me and he kind of looked up and down and he goes, are you wearing that? And I was like, oh, you're so mean. But it started so young and that if my friends thought my clothes were nice, then that was okay. If, right, I just had to have this validation to stand on my own. That was holding me back from a lot of things. 
that God wanted me to do. I really had to decide that if he said to do it, it was stamped approved. No one else needed to give me the answer or tell me, yes, that's a good idea or go for it. It had to come from him, just like being rescued from abuse that had to come from him. How does that tie into this year of yes that you shared with me? This is year number four. And year number four is was the yes year. It, I, it was the best year ever. Seriously, I almost, I'm like, man, I'd like to go back to that year. It was super fun. Really scary in a lot of ways. But at this point, I was starting to shift that fear thing. That was starting to shift in me because I heard someone say early on when I started in the company, everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I was like, huh, okay. So I would dip my toe a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Try to do this thing, try to speak here, try to share here. It did give me what I, it was true. I validated that everything you want is on the other side of fear. And really just kept leaning into that. When you had that year of saying yes, when even though you mm -hmm. felt fear, what was your mantra in your mind when you knew you were being invited into something you were afraid of, but you knew you wanted to say yes? What was the thought process you had? What was going on? This is what I stood on. The Lord has gone before me to make preparation for everything I need before I get there. And saying that over and over to myself in that fourth year, my word was available. I'm available, God, right? Send me. I want to go. And so what he spoke to me was, I, I, well, I said to him, if I'm asked to speak, if I'm asked to go, my answer will be yes. And what I found in that that was so interesting is God said, get in the room, just get in the room. And so I'm meeting all these people and I'm traveling all these places. And here we are. COVID is like a big deal at this point. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, what are you doing? I mean, I was traveling at least once a month, sometimes a couple times a month, going to other countries, traveling all over the US. And some of those rooms were not rooms that I wanted to be in. And God used that too, right? Because mm -hmm. God wanted me to know what rooms were for me and what rooms were not for me. So he used that year to sort and sift that in my mind mm -hmm. and to give me a firm foundation of this is the room I'm comfortable in. And, you know, it like your yes, be yes, and your no, be no, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And who are the people that you're actually called to resonate with and share your story with? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So what was your five? Year five was the year of activation. So in the process of the yes year, I had many divine appointments, but one in particular with Tamara Andress. She is a coach, speaker, and trainer. I was at an event in Dallas and I met her and she just commented on my jeans, that my jeans were cute. And we started talking and the Holy Spirit just in that moment, it was just, okay, we are talking for a reason. And I had been looking for, okay, Lord, where do you fit in this business of what I'm doing, right? Because in the industry that I'm in, it's okay for me to talk about the products. It's okay for me to talk about my health testimony. But when you start bringing in Jesus, it gets a little sticky for people. And I was coaching a lot and I was teaching a lot and training a lot. And I was literally told, this is not a Bible study. You cannot talk about God in here. And there was this major conflict within me that said, well, then I can't do this in the spot. <laughs> there is a spot that God is welcome. And that's the spot that I'm looking for. And so 
Tamara is a purpose activator and she is all about bringing God into business. And I knew immediately that I was supposed to be aligned with her. I believe that coaches need coaches. And so I am always finding mentors and coaches that have done the next step. I'm looking at my next right step. Where does God want me to go next? And so really getting that into alignment and figuring out how I could create a culture that included God and really, honestly, Brian, body, mind, and spirit, all of those things have to be in alignment for us to be in full health and full service to him. And so I was very passionate about that. And so that's what happened. God just allowed me to to access that in a way that I had not before and to bring other women into that. So this was last year. In March, I launched a podcast called, but basically it's a podcast about my story, other people's stories, a lot of motivation and speaking on this whole thing of personal growth and development God's way. That has been incredible. And then in May, I launched a women's retreat. And this is how God does these things in my life. So I think I'm gathering women to teach them about the industry. I have all these women that want to come. They want to learn about how do you make it to the top of the company? So I was going to get eight women just for a little retreat at my house in Tennessee. And I posted it on Facebook. And in an hour, I had over 25 women wanting to sign up. (laughs) So I'm sitting in a restaurant. I'm like, okay, God, what do you want to do with this? So I looked for an Airbnb in Tennessee and there was one. So I booked the Airbnb and I opened it up. And by the end of it, we had 32 women. We had women sleeping on air mattresses, on couches, (laughs) anything (laughs) they had to do. And this is the funny part. So God had given me grow for it because I was asking myself, okay, God, but how did I get out of abuse? How did I get into this industry? How did I grow a team? How have I overcome all of these things, because I want to be able to tell them the how. Sure. Not just, oh, rah, rah, you can do it. But like, how do you do it? And God spoke, grow for it to me, that you, I just kept growing for it. Mm. I just kept growing. Mm-hmm. And so grow for it stands for, the G is for God. The R is for resistance. The O is for opportunity. The W is for worth. And then the number four is the seasons that we go through in life. And how God takes us through those different times. And if you're looking at business, the quarters in the year. So I kind of tie those things together. And then the it is identity and trust. And so I lead these women through this business model that also has the application of God and his and how he has a purpose for them and how to grow that and grow through those things. Well, the first letter is God, right? So we get to this retreat. And we just worship and we start off with worship. And I'm not kidding you. The Holy Spirit just fell like a blanket of peace. I looked to the left and one woman was on her face crying. And all the women in the room go over and lay hands and begin to pray for her. And then here's another one over here going down. And it was like the waves of the ocean with these women going around, laying hands, praying for each other. So the Holy Spirit just hijacked the entire retreat, I think about 10 minutes in and stayed the whole time and seeing women set free and what God did through that process. We had one woman receive Christ for the first time. We had four women rededicate their lives to Christ and many (laughs) receive healing and deliverance. And 
it was absolutely, I fell in love with everything about it. All because you said yes. Yes. And chase the fear. I mean, it was scary. Okay. Let's just talk about that for a second. I'm sitting in the restaurant. See, this is how easy the words are, but the actions are not. Yep. So I'm sitting in the restaurant and I'm like, okay, there's one Airbnb. I have people that say they want to go, but no one has PayPal'd me or Venmo'd me or anything, right? right so right. that's like, okay, I'm putting this money up front, God. Like, this is the seed. And God told me two things for that retreat. He said, gather women, love them lavishly. So ended up, that was really an investment. My husband and I agreed that was our seed into this ministry of retreat. So we did the Grow For It retreats that got launched. My husband and I got to author in an anthology, The Joyful Entrepreneur. That was such a great opportunity to get to do that together. And then, of course, the coaching and speaking opportunities that God's opened the door for have just continued to blow me away. I look back at the start of this conversation, Angela, and the abuse that you experienced and now where you are, what an incredible story, what incredible growth God has led you through. How can people find out more about you? Yes, thank you. Only God, only God. They can find me on bellerleads.com. That's a great place. I'm on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. Uh, it's an Angela Beller. So that's pretty easy to find. And then I think you have my link tree so that they can look at the podcast and even the products and things like that if they want to. That'll all be in the show notes for sure. As we finish, two things. First, what would be one of the greatest pieces of advice you could share with our listeners? And then I'd like to have you pray, please. Yeah. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep pressing in and growing for what God has for you. Each step of growth that you take is worth so much in the kingdom of God. Mm. And someone else's blessing is attached to your willingness. Right on. Love to have you pray for our listeners as we finish, please. Yes. Heavenly Father, God, we're so grateful for this opportunity. Wow, God, you just, you do amazing things. And Father, I'm praying for every heart that's hearing this message. That if there's something that speaks to them, that if you've been working and dealing with them with something, God, that today would be the day that they give you their yes. God, I pray for revelation that fear is a liar, that we know that as believers, but for a revelation to come, the fear hasn't come to stop you, but to strengthen you and to lead you. And God, you are the one that creates a safe place for us. There is no fear in love and you love perfectly, God. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you rescued, redeemed, and restored me. I thank you, God, that you are literally in this moment setting people up for freedom, setting people up to be rescued. God, I know there's women right now that are suffering, and I just pray for them, Lord, that your comfort would be with them, that your strength would be infused in them. Lord, I thank you that you're raising up people all over this world to speak and to say and to encourage and to inspire and to motivate brothers and sisters to keep growing for it. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Angela. Loved our conversation. Thank you so much. What a blessing. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, 
read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.